Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. I want to talk about, if we can get to it, intercession. We're talking about prayer and fasting, waiting on God and, and that sort of thing in the place that prayer holds in the life of the believer because we know that God needs us to pray and intercede. If not, his purposes won't be accomplished in the earth. And so we may get to that in a little bit. But I want you to ask, answer, some, answer some questions that are in my heart and on my mind tonight. It's basically to challenge all of us to be elevated to a higher place in him. Isn't that what your longing is? Don't you want to be more like him? Look more like him, walk more like him, talk more like him. What did the Apostle Paul say? Be followers of me as I am of Christ. In other words, he was committed to living his life in such a way so as to be an example for other people to follow. So he was following Jesus as closely as he possibly could. So that others can look at his example and follow him. So first question number one to answer for all of us, for ourselves. Is the life I'm living worth the price that Jesus paid? Is the life I'm living worth the price that Jesus paid? Why am I asking that question? To challenge all of us. He paid a price beyond our comprehension. The sacrifice that he made is beyond anything a human being could ever understand. His being separated from the Father through sin. When on that cross he said, why have you forsaken me? His becoming sin for us who knew no sin and paying the price of the wrath of God upon him so that you and I could be free. You talk about a price that was paid and then sometimes people come along and they say, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? And what about this area? What about that area? You know what? We can't really understand the price he paid if we can ask questions like that. Remember they asked Paul, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. Have you lost your minds? Do you not yet understand the price that was paid for sin? So he says, look, you're not to be bound by sin any longer. You've been set free from it. It has no dominion over you. It cannot control your life. It's up to all of us to make a decision to live a life worthy of the price that Jesus paid for it. In other words, examine our own hearts. Examine our own lives. And answer the question for ourselves, not somebody else, but for ourselves. What more can I do? See, that sounds like works. We've been saved for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're not talking about being saved. We're talking about living a life that glorifies Him. So other people can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We're talking about walking in the light as He is in the light. Living a lifestyle of Christianity that promotes the kingdom of God and the working of Jesus in our lives. You don't do it in your own strength and neither do I. We live it by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. By the power of the Holy Spirit within, praise God, can we possibly live the life that he wants us to live? Walking close to him 
in fellowship with him, having his heartbeat for the lost people of the world. Another question to answer. Am I committed to destroying the works of the devil as Jesus did when he was here upon this earth? You remember how it says in 1 John 3, 8, that for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he said before he left, look, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do because I go to my Father. When Jesus walked upon the earth, he hated the works of darkness. He hated the work of sickness and the work of disease. He couldn't tolerate demon possession. He couldn't tolerate death. And he was committed. Everywhere he went, praise God, he healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, ministered to those that were in need, made provision for whoever and whatever was needed, multiplied the loaves, multiplied the fishes, we're told. Didn't he do all that? Instead of being aware of what the enemy can do, let's be aware of who's in us, the power that we have, the right to use the name of Jesus, the authority he has given us, and say enough is enough. And when we see people in the walk of life, no matter where we're at and where we're, what we're doing and so on, let's be mindful of the fact that people are hurting everywhere around us. And that hurt is not coming from the kingdom of God. And there are a lot of people that are out there, they're hurting. And you know what they're saying? And you know what they're thinking? God's doing this to me. Why am I like this? What's God doing to my life? Why is he putting me through this? Because they live with this idea. They've been taught this. What will be, will be. It's God at work. God's in control of everything. No bigger lie has ever been told. That's straight from the pit of darkness. The devil himself perpetrates that lie. He's the one that tries to get believers to think that way and believe that way. But the truth of the matter is this. If he can hold you captive with those kinds of religious teachings and doctrines, he can control your life. And you will not put any resistance up to stand against the works of darkness because you think that God is behind it. Well, you know what? He's not behind anything that steals, anything that kills, or anything that destroys. He's only about giving life and that more abundantly. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Jesus paid the price. He shed his blood. He destroyed the works of the devil. He came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil, praise God. And he said, look, the works I do, you're going to do also. We just got to get this in our heads. You know, why? Because people think it's beyond them to do. No, Jesus said all of us. He didn't say preachers. He didn't say teachers. He said every single child of God has authority and power over all the power of the enemy. And it's time to stand tall and rise up and elevate and let God use us to destroy the work of the devil. Strife, envy, unbelief, bitterness, all that's the work of the devil. You find yourself in a situation in your home and you see strife happening, recognize it as a work of Satan, as a work of the devil. Because where's there confusion, there's every evil work. It's time for 
people to get together, join themselves together, walk in unity, walk in harmony, and stand against the forces of evil coming against the family, the marriage, the children, etc. You see your child that's not walking with God. Don't sit back and just say, "There's well, at least we could try to do that. There, no, no, that's not the attitude God wants us to have. He wants us to rise up to a place that there's a boldness in our souls that rises up and just says, enough is enough. I am going to stand in the gap. I am going to make up the hedge. I'm going to put one hand on God and one hand on my child. And I'm going to be the conduit through which God moves with mighty power and glory and touches that child's life to bring him back from the land of the enemy to his own borders where he can serve the living God faithfully. Hallelujah. A holy boldness about us. Enough is enough. We're not going to tolerate it. We believe greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. And we're not going to walk around with our heads hung low and woes me and why oh why. No. No, praise God. He wants us to elevate, increase, take us to higher places. Are you ready to climb the mountain? Hallelujah. Amen. And then also, think about this statement. How can I be a better witness for Jesus? You know, the Bible says that he's given us all the ministry of reconciliation. And it says that every single one of us is an ambassador, a representative on the highest order. We represent the kingdom of God. We represent heaven. We represent Jesus here upon this earth. How can I be a better witness? And you might think, well... I'm kind of timid, I'm kind of shy, I'm kind of reserved. Aren't we all when it comes to trying to tell somebody else about Jesus? But you know what? There's something that we all possess that's easy to communicate to others. The love of God. God loves you. God loves you. You'll be amazed when you tell somebody that you don't know, by the way, I want you to know that God loves you. The kind of look that you get. Because you see, people are hurting out there. And they want to be loved. And by your witness, you got your own testimony. He saved you. You know his love for humanity. He loved you. Are you in love with him? Are you in love with him? Are we really in love with him? Do we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength? Well, guess what? He wants that love to flow from us to somebody else. He wants us to touch someone else with that love, knowing how we've been loved and not just hold it to ourselves and keep it in. But let people know by our precept and by our example. When they see the love of God in us. When they see the joy that's unspeakable full of glory. When they listen to how we talk and speak. And we use words, praise God, that are faith-filled and love-filled words. See, by our precept and by our example. And it starts in our home. And as we start there and sharing the love of God with our own family. But then also in the workplace. I'm not talking about not, work, not working and doing what you're supposed to be doing at work. But dropping seeds. You can be a seed dropper. You can sow the seed of God's word. In a person's life. Just by saying did you know that God loves you? 
Did you know that Jesus died for you and cares about you beyond words? And you'll get some rebuttals. You'll get some responses like, yeah, but if that's true, why am I going through this? And why am I going through that? All of a sudden, what's just opened up? The door to evangelism. That you can now begin to speak to them and let them know. You know why? Because people do not know. They don't know the gospel. They don't know the love of God. They don't know that he, Jesus is not behind all their heartaches and pains. Do you recall in James chapter 1 when he said in verse 2, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this to try and give your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. He was talking about if you need wisdom to get through a situation, ask of God in faith. Don't waver because you won't get anything from the Lord. Let the rich man understand the need for him to share his riches with others. Let no man say when he's tempted, tested, and tried that God's the source behind that. He's not the problem whatsoever. Sin is going to be the result of being drawn away and enticed by our own lust, by the enemy himself, the devil, the world, and the flesh to pull us away from God. And look, don't err, my beloved brethren, he says. Don't be in error. That kind of thinking is not right. God's not the problem causer. He's the problem solver. Only every good and perfect gift is from above. People need to hear the truth. It's the truth and knowing it that makes people free. People need to know that God loves them. People need to know that God cares about them. They need to know he made provision for them. And he is not the force behind their problem. Hallelujah. He's the one who helps, who delivers, who sets free. It's knowing the truth that liberates and delivers and sets free. And it's up to us to communicate that to other people and let them know God loves you. He made provision for you. No matter what your need might be, he's already met it. And the door is open for ministry. How also? How much do I know that I'm really demonstrating my love for God? Am I really demonstrating my love for God? And this one might be a toughie. Do you remember something Jesus said in John chapter 14 verses 21 through 23? He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. How many of you want to elevate? Increase. Go higher. Someone says, I love you, Jesus. I just love you so much. But they're practicing a sinful lifestyle. That they refuse to address. Well, but I love God. I love God so much. Jesus said, he that hath my commandments and keeps them. He it is that loves me. So what is he saying? You really love me? Think about this. If I'm correct, there's over 600 600 laws in the Old Testament. Some say 613. I don't know if that includes the Ten Commandments or not. But if not, let's say 613 plus 10 commandments. So 613 laws and 10 commandments. Guess what? We can't keep them. If we break one, what did James say? If you break one law, how many have you broken? All the laws, right? All the commandments and all the laws of God. So that means we could never, 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 never please God by keeping the law. We could never work for our salvation. You ready for this? Someone kept them all. All 613 and 10 commandments. 
He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. And as a man under the old covenant, anointed by the Spirit of God, he walked upon this earth in, in a flawless way. There is no sin ever in his mouth whatsoever. He never did one thing to violate a law of God. He lived a perfect life for you and for me. You talk about elevating our thinking. You talk about increasing our love walk. It's when we get on our knees and we say, Father, increase that revelation in me. What it cost Jesus for me to be your child. Bring increase in understanding of how that should have impact my life. People will bring up different lifestyles and say, well, what's God say about this? What's God say about that? Well, let's put them all out there. Let's just say that here's a pastor, but he's having or committing infidelity with someone in the church. What's God think of that? Here's an individual that's caught up in pornography. What's God think about that? Here's a situation where someone goes home after they leave church and beats their wife. What's God think about that? And we can name all kinds of things. This one robs a bank. This one commits murder. Put them all out there. All the scenarios out there. This one's practicing, let's say, a, a homosexual lifestyle. Because people will choose that and say that. What about that? We put them all out there. And some, pe some people might say, well, are you telling me that God doesn't love me because I'm doing this? No, no. Jesus didn't say that. It's the other way around. He said, you don't love me. You're not loving me. That's what it's all about. And so you know what we should be doing? Get on our knees and say, increase this revelation of the love you have for me because you love me first. So I can love you. We love him. Because he first loved us. Saying I love you. Is not enough. Why is it getting so quiet in here? We want to elevate don't we? We want to increase don't we? Absolutely. See. He says if you love me. Show it. Keep my commandments. Be consciously aware of your life how you're living it are you living it to honor me that's why once again I'm so opposed to this extreme grace teaching because it's not of God it's not of God I believe in God's grace but God's grace empowers us to live a holy life and that's what it's all about so if we want increase increase my revelation of the price you paid Jesus increase my understanding of how much you love me when it comes to forgiveness and all these other things you know when we begin to forgive more when we have a revelation of how we've been forgiven how much we've been forgiven and we have that understanding that every single one of us was guilty before God but because of Jesus and his sacrifice we're no longer full of guilt or shame or condemnation. Thank God we've been forgiven. Thank God we've been delivered. Thank God we've been set free. And that sin has no power over us. And what about this? Do I really know my value? Do I really know my value? I believe that this is going to help bring increase 
to so many people's lives. When we looked at the cross, we talk about the sufferings of Jesus on the cross. We really focus on sin and the price that was paid for sin. But you know what else? On that cross, he took all the ordinances that were against us and nailed them to that cross. He took him all away. Anything and everything that separated us from the Father. He ripped the veil in twain, tore it apart and opened up the holies of holies, inviting us to enter in. Guess what? Your value is found at the cross. Your worth is found in the price he paid to reconcile you back to the Father. You are so valuable. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Don't let him tell you for one moment that you are insignificant whatsoever and that your life is meaningless. You're a prized possession of the Most High God. And why should we think or really be concerned about what the enemy thinks of us when we know how much God thinks of us? Aren't you glad, praise God, he thought so much of you? We're told in Scripture, he thinks about us multitudes of times throughout the course of a day. If I would try to think of my six children throughout the course of a day, I would fall short. I wouldn't be able to do it. But God Almighty, because He's God Almighty, thinks His thoughts about us every single day of our lives. He knows each and every one of us. And He has thousands upon thousands of thoughts about us. That's how special we are. That's how precious we are. Every single one of us in His eyes has tremendous value and meaning. And He cares so much about us. Don't let the enemy's lies make you think that you're less than what Jesus paid for you. Hallelujah. You ready to elevate? Think the thoughts of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Mine are higher than yours. Don't submit to the thoughts of the enemy. Submit to his thoughts and his ways. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. What's controlling my thought life? Is another question that will help us to increase. What's controlling my thought life? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Philippians 4 tells us, be careful for nothing. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. But in everything, Paul said, with supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And God's peace will garrison about your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ, my Lord. We're to think the thoughts of God. We're to think about the redemption that we have. We're to think about the power that's in us, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're to think about all that God has invested in every single one of us. We're to think about God seated on the throne, creator of the universe, thinking about us every single day and being in our corner, wanting us to rise up victorious over whatever it is that we face in life. Every storm that comes our way. He's aware of it. He knows about it. You know what he says about it? All that is to be viewed is as not an insurmountable obstacle, but a window of opportunity. Allowing you to use your faith. Allowing me to use my faith to stand against it. Not to look like as if some strange thing, Peter said, happened to us. Jesus said we're going to have tribulation in this world. It's going to come against us. But be of good cheer, praise God, I have overcome the world for you. 
Can you say amen? You know, it's easier to love others when we know that we're loved of God. It's easier to forgive others when we know we've been forgiven by God. It's easier for us to be accepted and accept others when we know we've been accepted by God. All these things are revelations given to us in the Word of God. Something that took place long before you and I were ever born. You realize your need's been met before you were born. My need was met before I was born. Whatever need you might be sitting out there with right now, it was met before we were ever born. It took place at the cross. God invested everything that He has in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of His Son. He made provision for all mankind to know Him, love Him, obey Him, walk with Him, and honor Him so they can live the rest of their lives in eternal glory with Him. And praise God, this life is but a fleeting moment that's just going to last for a short period of time and then we're off into glory, praise God. And you know what? We're going to rejoice and celebrate then. I'm so glad I persevered. I'm so glad I stood strong. I'm so glad that I didn't give up along the way and turn to the left or turn to the right, but walked on that straight and narrow and served God faithfully all the days of my life. Because you know why? He's got a mansion for you in glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. That you're going to celebrate in throughout eternity. And he's got a plan for you, a, a place for you and for every one of us. We don't know the, all, the, all the details about it, but I know it's going to be good. Because there's nothing bad. It's every good and every perfect gift that comes from above. Amen? Praise God. What about this? Am I letting my light so shine among men that they might see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven? How much of that light is shining? Is it bright? Shining so that they can identify me as a Christian? Do they see the light of God's love in me? You know what? What we need to do is get on our knees and face before God and just say, increase in me that light. Whatever I need to do to get rid of any darkness. You know, the Bible says we were once darkness. Notice that statement. Ye were once darkness. He didn't say we had some darkness in us. We were once darkness. We were once filled with and full of death, darkness. There wasn't an ounce of light in our spiritual being. We were children of wrath, children of the devil, children of darkness. But one day, he shined the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. He took us out of death. He put us into life. He brought us out of darkness. He brought us into the light. And on the inside now, the very light of life exists. Not only that, He then took His Spirit and His glory and flooded us in spirit, praise God, with His very glory that raised up Jesus from the dead. We have on the inside of us the very glory of the living God. We have this treasure, it's called a treasure in an earthen vessel. Think about that statement. I've got the treasure of God's glory in my earthen vessel. Praise God. It's on the inside of me. I want to let it out. I want to release it. I want people to be able to see it, praise God, in me. This is what makes us different than people of the world. They need to see the glory of God in us. Coming out of our eyes. A lot of the eyes. They look into our eyes, and what do they see? They see glory. They see the power of God. They see the compassion of God. They see the mercies of God. They know you care, that you're really interested in their well-being. Oh, praise God Almighty. Walk in the light as He is in the light. 
And oh, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Can you say amen? Can I add something else? Do I, how well do I know the impossible is easy with God? Think about that. See, we're too self-conscious. We see an obstacle, we see a situation, we see something that we don't like, and all of a sudden we're kind of judging ourselves or it by who we are. The impossible is easy with God. Nothing is too difficult for Him. When we place the obstacle next to our God, there's no comparison. The David and the Goliath, no comparison. The fiery furnace and three Hebrew children that said, I'm not even concerned about answering that question, O king. You throw us into that furnace and the God that we serve can't and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. You don't throw us in, we're still not bound down to you or your image or anything of that nature. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. The impossible is not hard for God. Can you say amen to that? Praise God, all things are possible with Him, and all things are possible with whom? Those who believe. Believe what? That nothing is too hard for Him. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. See, they could say, throw us in, He'll get us out, because they knew Him. Joshua and Caleb can say, we're going in. Because we're not looking at our strength or ability. We're looking at His. And the impossible is easy for God. The God that I serve. Praise God. Look at that last section I have there under point D. It's easier to love others when we know we're loved. It's easier to forgive others when we know we're forgiven. It's easier to accept others when we know we've been accepted. It's easier to live for God when we know He died for us. Oh, wow. Oh my. Do you know he died for you? Do we know he died for us? It's easier to live for him. It's easier to overcome when we know he overcame. It's easier to show mercy when we've been shown mercy. Hallelujah. Beloved, I believe what it's going to take for us to be elevated and have increased like God wants to is for people committed to being watchmen on the wall and really become intercessors that are biblically based people. God wants, you, it, we won't go into all those details, all the notes, but God is looking for people to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He's looking for people to be a spokesperson for Him. You know what watchmen on the wall did? They stood up there and they watched. They watched to see if the enemy enemy was coming the army was coming against them and they warned the people of God there's a problem that's brewing up ahead and so they did that and they warned them and prepared them for battle get protect get prepared to be protected because there's an enemy out there we know there's an enemy out there we know we have a defeated enemy that's out there God is looking for people that will take their place and do their part. Standing in the gap, making up the hedge. Putting one hand on God and one hand on either another person or the church or the nation or whatever it might be. So that we can become the conduit through which he moves and manifests his glory and power 
to touch hearts and change lives or to meet needs. In Ezekiel, we are told, he looked for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He could find none, so he had to judge the people, and judgment fell upon the people. He was looking to be merciful. Beloved, let's gather around this altar.